my faith. Come on now. I won't walk by sight. Lord, I put all faith and trust in you. When I do and don't know what to do. Oh, I don't, I don't walk by sight, Lord. Because sometimes the enemy plants things out there in the world to deceive you. You got to keep the God. You have to keep the Lord. You got to keep the Lord in your heart. I trust in God, my Savior. He will never, he has never, he will never fail you, no. He will never fail. I trust in God. There are so many iterations of that sentiment that we've been singing in Scripture for a long time. It's not a new sentiment because man has always found himself unable to deal with the really hard things in life. Can't do it. We always need somebody bigger than us to help us, to guide us, direct us. And no matter what substitutes there are out there, there is really nothing like seeking the Lord. Once you run through all of the other substitutes, you're going to be driven back to the Lord. The psalmist wrote about it. Psalm 34, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. I sought the Lord. Yeah, it's, it's not a new thing. Isaac Watts wrote about it. He told us, he said, I, I love the Lord. Same thing. He said, I love the Lord who heard my cry. And, and, and I love this word, he pitied. Every groan. Pitied every single groan. Yeah, this elevation right here, I believe, singing this song. Uh, I sought the Lord. What's your song? Yeah, David wrote here. Isaac wrote here. Elevation wrote there. What's yours? Yeah, because uh, each one of us has a song about how we approach the Lord. One thing about it. When you come to him sincerely, he'll hear you. And whether he pities, delivers, whatever, he's going to take care of his children. Somebody ought to say amen. Yeah, I belong to him. I belong to him just like any other child standing out there crying, Mama, Daddy, you're going to come to your child's rescue. 
I sought the Lord to preach. And that brings us, ironically, into this message that we have today. It's a great segue. I had no way of knowing that that was going to be the song. Even though I was here when they were rehearsing, I think I, I was away from the rehearsal, so I didn't hear this song. But the Lord knew that it was good. Exodus chapter 4 is our foundational scripture for our message today. Yeah, Exodus chapter 4. Chapter 3 is foundational really to what's going to happen in this space. Four, chapter four, verses one through four is what we're going to read. But if I had to get you ready to go into this meeting that Moses had with God, in this particular conversation that he had, this is a continuation of our sermon series, questions that God asked or questions from God. God has already approached Moses and called him to be his spokesperson. We find that out in chapter 3 of Exodus. Moses was hiding. He was hiding. Angry Moses had been hiding for 40 years. 40 years in the desert. And he met God on the mountainside, Mount Horeb, in the form of a burning bush. Y'all know the story. God told Moses, take your shoes off, this is holy ground. Before the conversation was over, Moses had been called. Strange thing about the bush I think kids get in here and they hear about this bush being a burning bush chancellor. It was burning, but it wouldn't burn up. That's an amazing thing. How can something be on fire and not consume? If you take a match, just a match, and light it and let it burn, before long, it's going to burn the match up. But this bush was on fire and still a bush had to be a miracle, which it was. It was God's presence, and it was certainly enough to get Moses' attention. But what he said in that conversation to get things started was, Moses, the children of Israel, sought the Lord. And I heard them. Yeah, that, that, Reggie was over there playing. And they sought the Lord. And that's what it said, verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. 
for I know their sorrows. In other words, there was enough bad going on in Egypt that the people in Egypt started calling, Lord, help us. Lord, help us. And he did. He heard them. And he's preparing Moses to be the one to go into Egypt of all places there. Egypt. Moses running from Egypt. Why in the world would Moses want to go back to Egypt? And in the conversation that they had, God asked Moses a question. Let me read it for you. Exodus 4, starting at verse 1. Moses answered, Lord, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? Because that's what probably I would say. Verse 2 says, then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? What is that in your hand? And Moses replied, depending on the version of the Bible you have, in the King James Version, a rod. NIV version, a staff. And the Lord said, throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it on the ground. And it became a snake. And of course, Moses did exactly what Andre would have done. <laughs> and he ran from it. <laughs> Don't sit up here and act like you'd have been cool. Then the Lord said to him, now reach out your hand. <laughs> and take it by the tail. To which Andre said, you tripping. <laughs> no. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. Wow. If that wasn't enough, if that wasn't enough, I'm going to stop reading it right there. Things got even more strange for Moses. It wasn't enough that he had always already needed God as a burning bush. It wasn't enough that the bush wasn't burned up. Now God is telling him, I want you to go to Egypt, and I want you to tell Pharaoh that I've heard my people's groanings, and I want him to let my people go. Now, let me see if I can give you some context on this. This is three, four million people. This is not just a group of folk. Not only is it three or four million people, because I think we preach this sometimes, and we don't put the context on what is being asked. We just... We, we, we just make it seem as if Moses walked in and said, they're my family members over there, I'm taking them and we leave. No, 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 no. We're talking three, four million people here, at least, Bobby, at least. We're talking about the economic engine of, is, of Egypt. We're talking about the people who do all the work. And they do it free because they're slaves. And... And 
God is saying to Moses is walk into the White House, the palace, and tell the president, tell the leader, all of the folk who do all the work are leaving. God said that his people, let them go. Let them go. You can imagine that anyone would have been hesitant to follow through on this kind of instruction, even from God. Moses is no different, so he starts asking questions of God. And some might say, well, if God tells you to do something, what you doing asking questions of him? And you know, Because we're not God, we're human. And as we say in West End, and we scary. <laughs> All right. People don't just jump up and go on monumental quests like this without trying to get as much information as they can to validate what's going on. I know you God, but I'm done here. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I I don't know that I can just walk in there and ask. Tell Pharaoh, God said, God who you can't see, God who they didn't hear, God who they didn't talk to, that God told me to come up in here and say, let my people go. Oh, by the way, God has already said, Andrea, in chapter 3, that he's going to harden Pharaoh's heart. He said that, and he won't give in to the request. This is not shaping up real good for Moses. It's only validating his concern. I'm going somewhere with this now because you're in this. Yeah, yeah, you and your life are in this conversation Moses is having with God. There's a lesson here, which is why we have this instruction in Scripture. This is not just for bedtime reading. No, no, this is for living. This is how we deal with God. And the pivotal point in this conversation for us today is that God reaches a point where he has to prove to Moses that you don't have to worry about anything because I'm with you. I got to validate to you, see, that I'm with you. You, you're not alone. You might walk in there by yourself, and you won't even do that. But I, my presence, my awareness is with you when you go in this place. Moses asked a series of questions of God with respect to his duty that's about to come up. So let me give you a foundation here. When God is ready to do what seems to be the impossible, he takes what appears to be the improbable and transforms it into the improvable. All right? When God is ready to do what seems to be impossible, he will take what appears to be improbable. 
all right? And he will transform it into the improvable. He says to Moses, what's in your hand? And Moses said, I got a stick. <laughs> That's all I got. I got a, a, a stick, a piece of dried wood that I use when I'm out here shepherding my father-in-law's flocks. Moses has been in the desert for 40 years because he left Egypt running from the law, running from people who were going to, heal, to, to harm him, kill him. Pharaoh, the palace officials, were looking for him. They had a warrant out for him. Anybody who sees Moses turn him in 40 years ago because Moses laid hands on an Egyptian and killed him. Why? Because that Egyptian was beating a Hebrew man to death. And Moses, who grew up in the palace with Pharaoh, see, let's put this into context now, like Pharaoh, he grew up eating at the table with Pharaoh, he grew up studying with Pharaoh, he grew up in Pharaoh's courts, he got the best education, he had the best food, he had the best clothes, he had everything anybody could want from that day. He was balling when he grew up. But one day he came to know that he lived in the palace, but in fact he was a Hebrew. He was not Egyptian. No, God had orchestrated so that he would grow up in that environment learn all the ways of Pharaoh and the Egyptians, but his consciousness raised up in him one day, and he saw one of his kinsmen being harmed, and he couldn't keep his mouth closed no more. And so he reached over, and he killed this man, and he hid him in the sand, buried him. Just trying to give you some context as to why Moses is in this place he's in. And he thought he got away with it, Willie. He thought he got away with it. He, nobody saw him, according to Scripture. Moses thought he was good. Until a day or so later, he was out among the people like nothing had happened. And saw another argument between two Hebrews. And Moses interceded and said, hey, come on now. Let's cut all that out. And one of them said to him, what, Moses? What are you going to do, kill us and bury us in the sand too? It's the scripture now. I'm not making this up. And that's when Moses knew that his secret was not a secret anymore. And so the Bible says he took flight into the desert of Midian. And it was there in the desert of Midian, let me move this along, that he met a woman named Zipporah by the well. Zipporah gave him something to drink. He ends up meeting Zipporah's father. He marries Zipporah, and he stays there and has family with Zipporah the next 40 years. And he stays there, Pam, and he gets into the desert rhythm, which is slow, which is comfortable. I'm just living, you know, and, you know, ain't no rush. I get up and I feed sheep. 40 years of doing this, and now my, my kids are older. I ain't washing no more dishes. My kids gonna wash the dishes. I mean, you know, that's how life was for him. 
And one day, just like for you, God is going to say, now I need you to do something. Forty years you've been in the desert. You should know that Moses by this time is 80 years old. All right? Moses' life was in 40-year increments. First 40 years, he was in Pharaoh's court. The next 40 years, he was in the desert. And then he led the children of Israel for 40 years. And he died when he was 120 years old. Yeah, he's about to go into his next phase of 40. But it's not going to be easy, and it's not going to be comfortable. But God has commissioned him on the side of this mountain. And he tells him, I'm going to send you in. And Moses is like, me and what army? Going in. And God says, you got me. That's all you ever need. Me and that's it. I'm the majority. God says I can handle it. And so the first thing we find when God has Moses standing there commissioning him, he asks him, what is in your hand? What's in your hand? And I came to ask you that today, church, and I want to make you look at what God has done for you in a different way based on how God empowered Moses. Okay? There's always something in our hand. Always. Every one of us right now has something in our hand. You may not consider it much, but it's in your hand. Think about what I'm talking about. Moses had a stick. A dried piece of wood. What can you do with a stick? And that's what you're saying about what God has given to you. But when we think about it, we're thinking about from our place of, most of the time, comfort. Like Moses was. God has already given you what it is you need to do what needs to be done for him. And if he came to you right now, and I suggest to you that perhaps he is, asking you to do something for kingdom building, if he says to you, what do you have in your hand? Now's not the time to make up stuff. What he literally wants to know is, what are you holding? Yeah, see, because he's already given to each one of us a whole lot of grace, a whole lot of blessings, a whole lot of possessions, and we take a lot of them for, for granted. Every one of them we take for granted. Yeah. Our success is to be measured not by the amount of possessions we have, but by what we do with what God has given to us. What we do with that. Yeah. So what's in your hand? A rod in anybody else's hand is just a stick. But in God's empowerment, Moses' rod became the implement of deliverance for the children of, the, of, of Israel. It became, they weren't the children of Israel yet, but it, the, for the children, the Hebrews, they became a nation under his leadership from Egypt. Mo Moses had to be struggling like some of us are, because some of us think we have hit 
a low spot in our lives. Probably, you know, I haven't done everything I want to do. Moses remembering when he used to hold a scepter in his hand. Moses remembering when he used to hold gold goblets in his hand. And when he used to sit at the table, dignitaries from other countries would come. Moses would dine there with other kings and queens and princes. And, and Moses had the best of everything laid at him. That's what used to be in his hand. And so when you start valuing what's in your hand based on what you once have held, a stick might not seem like a whole lot. A stick might seem like a letdown based on what you used to have in your hand. But God, like I told you last sermon, is not asking this question for information because God is omniscient and knows everything. God is asking this question so he can see where Moses is in his heart. Yeah, Moses is not focused on what he needs to be focused on. See, the rod identified Moses, and the rod also represented all of the problems in his life. Because when Moses see the rod in his hand, Moses said, I'm poor, I'm broke, I'm sitting in the desert, I ain't got nothing, I work for my father-in-law. You know, that got his own issues. Yeah, all I got is sheep around me every day. Don't nobody want to be around sheep. They're the worst thing in the world. Moses is looking at his life from a completely negative. When you look at where I was, he probably used to sit around telling the sheep his stories about when I used to live in the palace and, 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 and everything used to be good for me, how things used to be. Y'all know somebody like this. They always talking about yesterday, what they used to do and how they used to live and the folk they used to know and the places they used to go, and how they used to spend money, and life was so good then, you can tell by what they're saying what they're not saying. And what they're not saying is, I'm miserable. I'm miserable, and I'm depressed, and I'm not where I used to be. And the rod reminded him that he was poor. And here, of all things, God got to ask him, what's in your hand? Why is God messing with me and reminding me that I don't have nothing? That my life ain't what I want it to be? But this is what I want you to know. God uses what we have. God uses what you have. Yeah, yeah, can I, can I tell you, can I show you in Scripture that God always uses what you have? Yeah, see, it was um, Gideon. Gideon and his army only had pitchers and lamps. That's all. God let them use what they had. Got the victory. Samson had no weapon, he had no steel, he had no sword, he had the jawbone of an ass. But it was enough for him to kill a whole army. Yeah, yeah, God asked the widow woman, tell me what you got in your house. She said, all I got is a little oil and a little meal. And that was enough. God used what she had. She didn't, he didn't say, run down to the merchant and buy something. No, no, he said, whatever you got is enough if you use it in the right way. Y'all know that Jesus was at the wedding at Cana and it was six pots full of water. That's all. Just water. Yeah, there was nothing special about it. It wasn't. And he took six pots full of water and made the best wine ever been made on this side of hell. He just uses what you got. Yeah. The little boy was just out there following the crowds. He was trying to, I think he was trying to pick up a little money. The Bible says he had five, five, I mean, he had two fish and some loaves of bread. That's all he had. 
And they came to him and they said, can we use it? And he gave what he had. They didn't ask him to go get anything else. He just used what he had. I came to tell you right now that whatever it is you need to do God's work, you have it. Already you have it. Yeah. Moses had a rod in his hand. A rod, you can use it for support. Yeah, you can, you can use it for, for, for help. When the bears come out of the woods, the rod comes in handy. Yeah, yeah. The Bible says that David was good at fighting the lion and the bear, and that he had used this stuff in that respect. You can use it for protection. It also is a symbol of your office. How do we recognize the shepherds in the Christmas story? Because they got the it's a symbol of who you are. When you have the staff, it makes you officious according to our history. And so it's useful. But in Moses' hand, when he did what God told him to do, it was useful for God's purposes. All right? But when he was not holding the implement or using the implement that God had given him, the instrument that God had given him, it became a snake, which was offensive. In other words, if you're using what God gave you, it can benefit you. But the same thing that God wants you to use to benefit him can also harm you if you're not using it in the right way. Somebody needs to hear what I'm saying because God has blessed you with the ability to talk, but you're talking to the wrong folk. God has blessed you with the ability to lead, but you ain't leading the right folk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We tell folk all the time this. We got young folk who have been born with the ability, natural charisma. They think they don't know it's God-given charisma, but instead of leading other folk to do right, they lead them to do wrong. Yeah, you're not using what God has placed in your hand. You got to use it for God's glory. Moses' authority is wrapped up in who God has commissioned him to be. The problem is Moses doesn't know who he is. Moses is struggling with all the low self-esteem, all the problems that we deal with every day. He needed counseling in the worst kind of way, and yet he was stuck in the, in the desert. And it was in this space that better help came to see Moses on the side of the mountain. Yeah, not better help, best help. Yeah, God came and gave him a session on the side of the mountain. God came and let, watch this now, let Moses know him. And knowing God is the best thing you can ever have in your life. Some of us want to get better, but we don't want to know who can help us get better. We keep talking to folk who struggling themselves instead of going to the source of better. And God is the source of better. Moses had a front row seat on God's couch, and God helped him see who he was and what his purpose was. Let, let, me, let me see if I can give you a better understanding. See, see, God wants you to know who you are, and who you are is in your heart. Oh, yeah, it's in verse 6 right there. Verse 6 says, And the Lord said, Furthermore unto him, Put now thine hand into thy bosom. And he put his hand into his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, 
the hand was leprous as snow. Verse 7 says, and he said, now put thine hand into thy bosom again. And put his hand into his bosom again and plucked it out of his hand, of his bosom. And behold, it was turned again as his other flesh. In other words, not only did God give him the instrument in his hand that was to help him deliver the people, God also wanted to show him that I am in control of your hand. And so he said, now take that hand that's holding that rod and put it in your cloak. And when he put it in there, he pulled it out and had the worst disease known to man. It was leprosy on his hand. And God said, now put it back in there, which I'm sure he quickly did. And when he put it in there again, it came just as normal. Moses was being taught, I am in control of these circumstances because Moses needed to know, if I send you, I'll be with you. I'm the same God when you're holding that rod as the one who just changed your hand from leprosy and back to hold again. Who we are, he had to change Moses' heart. And maybe that's the reason some of us haven't gotten to a place that we can help in the kingdom. Because we just don't know who we are. We're still struggling with our purpose. What am I to do? But I came to tell you today, church, that God has given you what you need in order to help in kingdom building. You don't need another degree to help with kingdom building. You don't need to go to theology school to help with kingdom building. If you want to tell somebody about Jesus, just tell them. You already got the ability to do it. You don't have to have a master's in divinity. In order to do that, you can stop with all the what ifs and all of the how can I, uh, all of the when I get to this, uh, uh, when I live over here, when I live on the hill, I'll be able to help folk. I came to tell you, you can help folk from on the mountain or in the valley. You can help folk. The question is, where is your heart? Watch this now. God will always, always add his powerful extra to your ordinary to make you extraordinary. Always. He's already got extra. Your ordinary is no hindrance to him giving that to you. God's ministry and work in your life means he's going to uplift you He's going to add to you. God is perfect for addition and multiplication. Can I tell you something? You may only have education that allows you to understand addition and subtraction. But if God's job requires you to know multiplication, he'll give that to you. Oh, 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 oh. yeah, he'll give it to you. I, 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 as I was preparing this message, I was trying to come up with a, 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 an illustration that would affect us here in the church and understand it. We have in this congregation a, a member who is in martial arts as you can go. All right? I don't know what color belt he got. Yeah, but it's like ninth degree black belt. Tell you this, if all you got is a yellow belt, 
if all you have is the first belt, the white belt, the yellow belt, whatever it is, but the mission requires a black belt, then all you have to do is show up and fight. And your white belt plus God's extra is going to get you all you need in order to win the battle. You don't have to go through all the fighting to get to the next color belt. God going to make you a black belt in order for you to get through the mission. He's going to do it. And so it's in your hand. Whatever you have is in your hand. The level of education you have now, today, is in your hand. Yeah, your level of understanding. I'm so glad God didn't require me to understand algebra. <laughs> to do what I need to do to help in kingdom building. Pam, I still don't. <laughs> today understand the principles associated with algebra. Whatever that is in your mind, the door to mind is closed. And I haven't been able to unlock that in order to understand the principles of algebra. It didn't matter if I was at Epic. It didn't matter if I was at West End. It didn't matter if I was at Tuskegee. It didn't matter if I was at the University of Alabama, the door's still locked. Still locked. I don't understand algebra. I can't help you work. But what God needed me to do for him, he gave me what I needed. The level of math I needed. Yeah. He gave it to me. I'm not trying to belittle anybody who knows math at a high level. I'm not trying to belittle it. I'm telling you what I needed. He said, Andre, it's already in your hand. If I said, no, 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 Lord, I got to make an A on my next algebra exam. I'd still be sitting at West End High School. 41 years later, 42 years later, they be done towed a building down around me. <laughs> One of the things that you got to have when you want to work for the Lord, and this is where I'm telling you all qualified, is you got to have a clean hand. It's another reason why God showed me. You put your hand in there. It's full of disease. It's wrong. But you got to have a clean hand in order to hold God's power. And that clean hand means your heart has got to be pure and devoted to him. You got to get rid of all of that junk that's in you. God's instruments have to be, have to be clean. And so I came to tell you today that the seed for your miracle. The seed for your breakthrough, the seed to help in this community is already in all, all of us. Yeah. Seed. And can I tell you this? God doesn't expect perfection from the people that he selects. 
He doesn't already want folk who already Bible told. Mm -mm, already teaching. No, 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 no. That's not how he selects folk. What can I show you? Abraham was an idol worshiper. And yet God called him and identified him, this idol worshiping man, as the father of many nations. Can I tell you, David was just a shepherd boy. But yet God made him the consolidated king of Israel. Can I tell you, Joseph was a prisoner. Joseph went to prison. Now, you might question the circumstances of him going to prison, but that doesn't change the fact that he still had an inmate number. And even this Joseph was used to become the prime minister of Egypt. God can use anybody he wants to in any way he wants to. Paul, if you tell the truth about it, Paul was the enemy of the church. Paul was killing folk in the church and was trying to kill more folk in the church when God caught up with him and said, Paul, what's in your hand? Paul, I need you to work for me. Paul was not on his way to uplift the kingdom, Paul to downpress the kingdom. And God turned him all the way around. And so I came to tell you this morning, no more excuses. No more alibis from you. No more, no more what ifs from you. Just say, here I am. Lord, whatever it is I have in my hand, whatever it is you've already blessed me with, now what God has put in your hand won't work the same in my hand. Yeah, yeah, no, I came to tell you, you can take flour and sugar and chocolate and put it in my hand, and all you got is a sticky mess. But if you take flour and sugar and chocolate and put it in Gloria Wright's hand, you're going to have some of the best chocolate you ever had. What God put in my hand ain't meant for you and it's not meant for anybody else. He gives us specifically what we want. So the next thing we got to know is just like Moses said, if you're going to do what God wants you to do, then you have to prepare for service. How do you do that? You have to follow his instruction. Follow, follow his instruction. Just about everything we buy today comes with instruction. I'm not going to even ask you who reads them. Because most of us don't. We don't. We bring it in. Most men pop the box open and plug it up. And just let it, just let it go. Yeah. Grab it, put the batteries in, and, you know, as you go along, you figure, I, you know, I get it. I get it. I've noticed whenever we buy something, more than likely, I'm sitting up, plugging up. She's sitting up, reading the instructions. And when it started bleep, beeping and buzzing, she said, uh, Andre, you're supposed to do such and such and such. such. I, I, I know I did this before. I just, I did this before. I, I, I'm going to get to that. I'm taking the bottom. I got every reason in the world. Somebody here know what I'm talking about. Yeah, reading the instructions and following the, the instructions are beneficial to us. 
not just when it comes to electronics and other things, but in life. Moses had to follow God's instructions. All right? Even canned foods tell us how to prepare them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. S some of us been winging it on the canned food. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tell you how to cook them. Yeah, glorious greens ain't glorious if you don't follow the instruction. It's some instruction best if prepared like this. It's what it tells you, and we don't follow those instructions. But can let me tell you why? Let me tell you why it's important to follow instructions. And Moses had to do it. Following the instructions will will free us from frustration. Yeah, to keep us from, from being frustrated. When we ignore God's instructions for our lives, we end up frustrated. And some of us are frustrated right now, and it's because we keep following our own rules. And in fact, what we're doing is making up the rules as we go along. Can I tell you, we saw some other folk who successful in life, but their rules were too rigid. We don't understand that it's because of them following those rigid rules that they had the success that we admire. We always want to get a workaround and still have the same result that they have. And can I tell you, yeah, following the rules can be problematic, but it'll also keep you from being frustrated. Ignoring God's instructions as found in his word eventually will lead to frustration. Can, can I tell you, there's a reason why the Bible doesn't change. That means it doesn't change from person to person. You might have your own unique way of doing things, but that don't make it right. You got to follow the instructions. Not only that, following the instructions will deliver you from danger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, see there's a, uh, some of us, know that there's tags on things that are electrical that we use in the bathroom. Yeah, like women use hair dryers. They say, don't get this wet. That's, that's, that's electrocution is a real thing. It, it doesn't say anything about rushing. You know, I'm rushing, trying to get this done and the cord dips into the sink while I'm rushing. Yeah, God's word is filled with instructions that warn us of danger. And some of us take those things for granted. Can, can I tell you? We think we know better. Let me ask you, when did you get so smart that you know better about life than God? Even your life. Not only that, we will put other authorities in front of God. Yeah. We'll do what our folks say and follow them. And if our folks are honest enough, they'll be, they should be quick to tell you that everything I tried didn't work. And what you see from me now is the product of learned wisdom. Some sense is bought sense. Oh, it's bought sense. I bought this. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and what I've been showing you is the result of bought sense, but I didn't tell you what I went through. 
in order to get to this place. Because some folk been through a lot. I know they look good now. Yeah, but you didn't see them then when they were buying this lesson in life. Things were tough then. Th things were out of sorts then. And, and now they act like they're the Encyclopedia Britannica of wisdom in life. But the truth of the matter is they bought that sense. And you reading it. Tell them the whole story. That's the problem we got right now. Folk don't want to tell our whole story. They, they, we want our children to think we always been presidents of colleges and CEOs of companies and in these places. We don't ever want to sing the how I got over. We, we don't want them to hear that. And guess what? The folk who held us down don't want to be reminded that they held us down. But we need to tell the whole story. The good, the bad, and the ugly got us where we are right now. Yeah, we forgot. We got to sing why we needed the why we need the swing low sweet chariot song in the first place. The one you don't want them to sing. We needed it because we were so low. And we needed the chariot to dip down and get us from where we were. We don't want to tell nobody that. We don't want to tell our children that we were once down like that. I came to tell you, we got to read it and we got to follow those instructions. The last thing I'm going to tell you, and I'm out of here, following instructions also enhances your enjoyment. Yeah. It, it, it enhances your enjoyment. Oh, yeah. When we follow instructions that come with a, per, a, a, a product that we purchase, we get to enjoy the purchase more than we do when we keep on having to unplug it, plug it up again. Yeah, when we have to uh, 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 send it back to the manufacturer because it ain't working and they say, Mrs. Foss, we have reviewed your product and can find no problem with the, with the item you purchased. Our scientists have determined that this is user error. Cause, and, and if the truth be told, it's because I didn't follow the instructions. In most instances, our lives get off track because we won't follow the maker's instructions. Yeah, we can expect to live longer if we follow the maker's instructions. If we take care of this body like we're supposed to, we can expect to enjoy following the instructions. Can I tell you? I'm learning at this juncture in my life that there are some things I didn't need to do when I was younger. And I didn't need to do as much of it when I was younger. I just followed those instructions. But those instructions can be so restrictive. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And God gave very clear instructions to Moses when he said, he said, if Moses were to stick to those instructions to a T, then he would be successful in securing the, is the Egyptians' release of the Hebrews. What God didn't tell him was that Pharaoh was never going to release them. The glory was always supposed to be to God. Can I tell you something? If Pharaoh had agreed to release them, then the glory would have gone to Pharaoh. <laughs> and God had to show him 
that no matter how hard Pharaoh's heart was, I'm still God. And what I say is going to happen. And when I say let my people go, I mean let my people go. Can I tell you that God's going to get the victory no counterway. All you have to do is take your stick and walk. Take your stick and talk. Whatever God has told you to do, then utilize that for the benefit of the kingdom. God is telling you that right now. I wonder, I wonder if somebody here has realized that they've been throwing this stick on the ground, leaving this stick. I wonder if there's somebody in here right now who realizes that God has given them something that could benefit kingdom building. And yet, instead of benefiting kingdom building, you're not doing anything. Can I tell you, it's not too late today to start doing what you need to do to benefit God's kingdom. He wants you to do it. And think how much better it would be if all the folk in Birmingham would start calling on the Lord and following his destruction. We wouldn't have folks shooting on the freeway. Come on now. We wouldn't have kids killing other kids. Yeah, if we didn't think church was too restrictive for children and we would start making sure they come and get a good word if we did our part. And so I came to tell you today, let's just start following God's directions, but use what you got already. 45th Street can benefit from whatever it is you got. The church needs you to be doing it right now, whatever it is. So if you're here today, doors of our church are wide open. If you're not part of our family, today's the day. Come on, right now. Today is the day, now is the time. We're waiting on you to become a part of who we are. Not only that, if you're here already and you're looking for something productive to do, we're waiting on you as well. Come to Jesus right now. He died for you. Yeah. Yeah.